If you want to become financially independent, come to my seminar. Let me show you how to make the fortune you have always dreamed about. Ready? Go! What happens if you are named in Nelson Rockefeller's will? You get rich quick! Hello once again to all of the listeners out there. This is Get Rich Quick with Josh and Noel. And we are here on Radio Free Brooklyn and now Apple iTunes as a podcast. And we're here for one reason and one reason only. Let's get you guys rich quick. Quickly. And now that we're on iTunes, we're well on our way to us getting rich quickly. Oh, it, it, things are moving fast. <laughs> That's the way it goes, right? <laughs> isn't the uh, isn't the once you get on Apple, it's a done deal. Oh, pretty much, right? Biggest isn't, company in the world, right? And isn't that the way it works? Like I, oh, I was under the impression that once you've hitched your hook to that star, you're taken off into the stratosphere. That's right. And we actually pre-record these episodes a few weeks, mm-hmm. so by the time you hear this, you know. We may be big time. <laughs> this may be, by the time you hear this, the biggest podcast in the world. Fingers are crossed. Yeah. Fingers are crossed. You know, speaking of the world in this podcast, you know, you know this, and I know this, but I think our listeners out there need to know this, that our biggest listenership right now is in Beijing, China. Yeah, it truly is for some reason. And... And, you know, I think America needs to get on the boat here and sort of, as Donald Trump says, not continue to let China eat our lunch. And we need more listeners from this great country of ours listening to this podcast. Or any great country. <laughs> right. Well, all great countries. But I, I just it's a challenge. Yeah. Challenge to Americans. Right now we have point oh 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 six percent of the Chinese population. I think so, yeah. No, I know so. I okay. did the math. Okay. Um of the Chinese population listening to our podcast, possibly on the regulars. We don't know that yet, but by the time you all hear this, we'll have a much better sense of, of what's going on in China with get rich quick. And you know, if that's where we have to go to get rich that's where we're going to have to go. So just keep that in mind. Yeah. You might be losing us, America. So, uh, but to order to try and reel in America into our uh, <laughs> our wealthy, wealthy grasp, mm-hmm. um, uh, what's our topic here this week, Josh? Our topic today is the greatest of all American topics: fashion. That's right. Well, maybe French too, right? Oh, and yeah. Italian and, and Italian. <laughs> and, and, okay, so maybe not all American, but but we love fashion in this country, don't we? Noah? Oh yeah, in New York City especially. Uh huh. And I have to say, there couldn't be uh, two guys that are less qualified <laughs> to talk anything about fashion. Yeah. Than uh, Noel Deneen and Josh Ruman. Yeah. You know what my approach to uh, buying clothes is? Is I will find something. That works as far as like fit, mm-hmm. and maybe it looks all right. Mm-hmm. And then I will buy multiple, multiple copies of that thing. I'll, you know, if it's a shirt, I'll get it the same shirt in like a bunch of different designs. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, but basically, yeah, right, the same shirt, twenty different colors. Yeah, the shirt I'm wearing right now. Uh huh. I have over the years had this exact <laughs> same shirt, uh-huh. and I'm gonna bet you. 
yeah, 20, 25 different designs. Is it the same brand or is it just the same style same of shirt? Same brand? Really? Same shirt. I think it's amazing that the company still make that says a lot about fashion, your sense of fashion, that the company has made the same exact shirt for 20 plus years. Well, I haven't bought it for 20 plus years. I've bought it for eight years, maybe. And okay. I've probably bought twenty different shirts. Oh, I see. Okay, yeah. over over the over the period of eight years, I tend to do most of my shopping uh, through the great uh, House of Old Navy. Oh wow! Yeah. Okay, as a larger gentleman, it's hard to find uh, affordable fashion, and I, I think it's a stretch to call it fashion. Cargo shorts and uh, and polo shorts. Well, but for clothes, it's not like they're going to be charging a larger person more money. <clears throat> no, absolutely, they are. Really, they charge sure. by the yard or something. Basically, yeah. Wow, I should lose some weight. And you're not and there. You're not there. In my wallet. You're not there. <laughs> That's your get rich quick thing. Lose weight. To spend less money on your clothes, get smaller clothes. Yeah. No, that's how, it's when when you get into the uh, multi XL sizes, they okay. get more expensive because it you know it's more uh, it gets substantially less fashionable. Um, the variety gets much smaller, and uh, you pay more for it. Okay. In general, I keep the X out of my size. That's you're you're fortunate. I mean, I think even if I were a fit and trim fella, I would probably be an XL. Yeah. In the way things are. Well, yeah, when you're I was just a bigger fit guy in, than when I was a fit and trim trimmer fella, uh-huh. I was still at my 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 best in XL. I think I was an XL at like thirteen. Oh wow. Mm-hmm. But you know those sizes change. An XL from one place is not the same as an XL from another place. Yeah. And you know I used to wear extra large shirts, but. Just because you like that baggy look, I think I liked things baggier. Uh-huh. I, I think everything was baggier back in like the eighties and nineties. Absolutely, that was part of the the whole the whole thing. Did you wear them backwards like crisscross too? I did not do that. You didn't do that, <laughs> <No>. huh? <laughs> um, yeah, no, baggy was definitely the thing. But I think you know a certain level of comfort with your body was part of the deal too. I would bet. Or lack of comfort with your body. Yeah, I had a better body back then. That's did for you? Sure. Yeah. Did, did you like showing it off? Um, I don't know if I went around showing my body off. Uh huh. I would buy, you know, I when I was younger though, I would bike around without a shirt. Uh huh. I don't think that was a hey, look at my bod though. It was, it was more a, of a hey, I'm hot and sweaty. <laughs> Let me not sweat up the shirt. Yeah. So we're talking about fashion here with uh, Josh and Noel, the most fashionable guys, <laughs> the most fashionable sitting in this room yes. at this moment. Yeah, residents of the West Village of New York City <laughs> and right. Soho, That's New right. York City, fashion. Mecca Capitals. I I used to completely poo-poo fashion when I was younger. I was very much the fuck fashion. Mm-hmm. Fashion is bullshit. Fashion is vanity. And as I've gotten older, I've I've kind of changed my tune on that. I see the art in it more than I ever have. And and the expression, the validity okay. of expression in it more than I ever have. I used to not see that in a lot of things. Yeah. I, I don't know how much I really see that. You don't at all? I Well, you know what? Okay, maybe if you're going to talk... Runway fashion week fashion stoke show the show stuff, mm-hmm. but in general, if you look at all the stores, they all basically follow each other like drones. Yeah, sure. And you know, suddenly you'll see something like, "Oh, I like that," and then the next week you will see that almost exact thing in every store everywhere. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, that's that's absolutely true. And you'll you what you sort of notice is suddenly everyone is wearing it. Like and you're like, I never thought of that thing before, and now suddenly every 24 year old woman is wearing it. Like it's kind of hot. Yeah, 
I used to think it was ridiculous, but yeah. now that everyone's wearing it, it's kind of sexy in its own weird way. Yeah. But no, I was talking definitely more on that line. And for people who sort of use fashion as a means of expression, mm -hmm. I used to think it was a more, when I was younger and more uh, strident and angry, rage-filled even, <laughs> it was something I used to rail against as, as, as a, uh, a shallow uh, occupation and a shallow uh, pursuit um, but more and more as I've met people who are kind of really into it and the sort of studying they've done of it, of the history of it and things of that nature, I sort of respect it a lot more. Yeah. And your wife is a very good dresser. My she, wife is a very good yeah, dresser. She likes to rock out a, like a vintage dress and <clears throat> things like that. There was a period where that was her whole wardrobe was vintage. Wow. It was very like, you know, we would spend, uh, trips. Well, actually, as I recall, when we were in Utah for, uh, the Charlie Victor Romeo uh, Sundance premiere, we found <clears throat> an amazing thrift store down in Salt Lake yes, City. Yes, she did. I remember that, yeah. And uh, took her down there, and, I mean, she was apoplectic. At one point, I thought she was going to have a seizure and start rolling around <laughs> on the floor because it was, <laughs> it was so enormous. The place was huge and so cheap. Yeah. I mean, so cheap. It's cheap to the point where, like, I actually threw out the idea semi-seriously of like renting a u-haul buying everything up bringing it back to new york and selling it for 10 times yeah, what that, they were selling it that's for. lunacy though i don't know they had amazing stuff. they had hawaiian shirts there she was she at a, one point in her life she was really into hawaiian shirts and that i, I don't know what the 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 fabric is called or what what they call it but particularly vintage ones which sell for insane amounts of money like if you go to hawaii and you go to some of these places there are hawaiian shirts in mint condition that sell for five to ten thousand dollars okay okay and they're from the 50s and 60s and it it's not like special designer stuff it's stuff that was you know in its own way sort of mass produced but there's just few of them left and they're not made that way anymore and for aficionados as with any collector to them it's worth more than gold and we saw stuff there that sh that they were selling they had one rack there that was like all hawaiian shirts five dollars and there was stuff there from the 40s and 50s uh label like you could see on the label the companies and all that and, and she knew exactly that could have gone for hundreds and hundreds of dollars okay so i don't know man they, you know and then stuff you know you go to thrift stores now or or any place like that now it's all shit from the 80s so it's like all old gap stuff yeah you know when we were in the 80s and going there it was all stuff from the 50s and 60s and if you wanted to rock a style that was what it was but now it's just like you know shitty gap and old navy shirts from 1987 and yeah. i guess that's the style you know i i went through a hawaiian shirt phase mm -hmm. but uh then magnum pi went off the air and <laughs> <laughs> that was that was that and, around your mustache phase as well uh never had a mustache no. phase <laughs> i but, wish you had uh, i don't think i'd look too good with a mustache maybe you could be in the remake of magnum pi oh yeah i'll do that you should do that i used to love that show man who didn't how old were you when that show came out you oh 15 16 years when, old when did it come out uh, early yeah, 80s probably, yeah like you know and it ran for i think five six seasons mm -hmm. so you were as a teenager right 12 to 17 in that sure. range sure yeah. everyone everyone at that age loved it oh man did i ever <clears throat> love it you know i can't buy uh thrift store things because if i'll see things that people buy and they take it out of that store and i'm like that's great but 
if it's not presented well, it just mm-hmm. looks like a pile of garbage to me, and I'm not going right. to sort through all this stuff. And if even if I am, I'll pick up the great thing, and I won't recognize as great because it's just so nestled in garbage. Right. There was a place called Domsey's Warehouse in Williamsburg before Williamsburg became Williamsburg, mm-hmm. as we know it now. And it was this four-story warehouse of used clothes. And they had a section there <clears throat> where it was a by-the-pound section, and it was an entire... Uh, loading bay of this warehouse the trucks would come in and unload there and there would be crates upon crates of these fucking clothes piled on top of each other and you could go there and go through those crates of unwashed unchecked clothes and you could buy clothes by the pound and then it was up to you and it was it was nothing it was like five dollars a pound i want to say um and you know you could walk out with you know, with $20, if you had a family of four, you could walk out with an entire season's wardrobe. You know, you just had to take care of washing it and going through it. And sometimes you'd go there. And again, this was old Williamsburg when it was still a lot of old ladies and they'd be fighting over the pieces of clothes and shit would tear. It was fun to watch. Yeah, that sounds like my nightmare. <laughs> I would not like that one bit. It was amazing. Uh, you know, back to what you were saying about how, uh, you know, you see something and all of a sudden it's everywhere and how do they know what you're going to like? They, uh, the fashion industry, mm-hmm. they have, there's a whole industry within the fashion industry that predicts and then dictates what colors are going to be popular every mm-hmm. year, every season, every year. Uh, and there's, the, you know, Pantone, yep. as in the, you know, mm-hmm. color palette. Uh, they have the Pantone Color Reports as the company, uh, and they tell all the different fashion companies what all the different shades of each color that are going to be popular each season. So how does a Pant- year before? So Pantone does this. Pantone, yeah. Pantone. So it's this one company does it for all of fashion. Yeah. Right. And how do they establish? Do you know how they establish that this is going to be the color? I mean, are they using psychology? Is this like the, the, the cigarette companies and the food companies using psychologists to figure out how people's minds work? Well, I think it's a little bit of following trends, but then mm-hmm. there's other companies such as the Color Marketing Group uh-huh. that will, CMG. will market colors and <clears throat> make colors popular. Right. And, you know, crossbreed across media... Right. These different right. Well, they get it in people's heads. Yeah. I, I always feel like that's the thing. It's like suddenly shit just pops up everywhere. And it's stuff that, you know, you didn't see creeping in. and it, But yet it feels so okay. Yeah. You know, it's like you. it's as if you've been prepped for it in some way. Well, you have. You right. have been prepped by these companies. Exactly. You've been prepped over the course of a year, apparently. Yeah. Right, and they do it through uh, mind control techniques. Through mind control, <laughs> uh, yeah, they they uh, gamma waves, gamma waves, beta waves. Uh huh. They have just low level speakers playing all the time in your sleep. Uh huh. <laughs> <laughs> uh huh. Yeah, that makes a lot more sense to me now. Now that you bring it up like that, it makes a lot more sense. Well, look, it's a, it's a. I can't even imagine how many billion dollar a year industry at this point, the that fashion as a whole is. Oh man, yeah. 
You know, I mean, everyone wears clothes. Everybody. I do. <laughs> I mean, sure. Yeah, you do. Yeah. Yeah, why not? Just You just cut out the nipples periodically. Well, you know, just when it's hot. Uh-huh. <laughs> You but let them breathe. The thing is, is I, it makes me wonder, like, how if we were to try and get rich quickly in the fashion, in the industry, fashion industry, what would our place be in it? Well, uh, in New York City, we have the fashion weeks throughout the year. Right. I think in New York, one of your probably most accessible ways to get rich quick would be through fashion weeks. Of some sort. Yes, like having a hot dog cart outside of fashion. <laughs> having week. a hot dog cart selling cocaine to models. That's a good one. <laughs> I'm okay with that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We could work out a sort of indestructible back of the throat tickler. Yeah. For them so they can regurgitate on call whenever yeah. they need to if they're they're told they're being a little too fat on a given day. Um some I, people we know uh <clears throat> actually have gigs where they will Put up and take down all the stages. That's a good one. Sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That, yeah, I, that makes sense. Staging companies and stuff like that. Yeah. Uh, I was thinking that, like, but in, like, not as in sort of ancillary satellite kind of thing, like where it's like you're affiliated with fashion. Okay. So during you want to that be period a number of time. one. How do we using fashion? And to me, my immediate thought was sweatshop. Oh yeah. There's, uh, yeah, this is fashion. <laughs> Give well, me a you, break. you can't have it. You can't. There is no fashion without the, 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 shall we call it, uh, sewing uh, factories. No, no. You're right. Right? And uh, there used to be all over Manhattan and all over New York City. Well, in Midtown, there's tons still. Are there still tons? Well, yeah, yeah. I worked on a film where we we it was it was a uh, small independent feature called La Ciudad. Check it out. Um, <laughs> that uh, that I was a location manager on, and it was uh, a series of short films creating one larger film, short stories, um, all about the immigrant experience, particularly Mexican South American immigrant experience in New York, and uh, of course we needed to do. One of them was about sweatshop workers, and we needed to work, find sweatshops to to shoot in, and that was my job. So I was going all around Midtown looking for sweatshops and went into sweatshop after sweatshop after sweatshop and finally got one to agree to let us shoot there for a couple of days at night after they finished working. And uh, it was hot. Mm-hmm. There's sure. a reason they're called sweatshops, oh, yeah. and it's not because they're making sweaters. It's fucking hot. Sure. But I think, I don't know how many there are in New York anymore. I feel like they're getting priced out. Well, I I can tell you this. Okay. It's because I have to go into a lot of buildings for, uh, I've been in lots of buildings all in the same area for improv practices Mm -hmm. and for um, auditions. Are you doing improv practice in sweatshops? Uh, no, but in buildings where sweatshops are, oh, okay. because those, those are where like rehearsal studios will be. Uh-huh. It's cheap space. Right, yeah, yeah. And I'm going to say that the bulk of buildings west of 8th Avenue, no, 7th Avenue, I'll even say, mm-hmm. uh, between 42nd and 30th are sweatshops. Still. Or contain, yeah. 
A lot. A lot do. Well, maybe not the bulk, but right. a lot. There's yeah. uh, a, a, I don't know if you know, you ever been to Champion Studios? No. Oh, so that's a rehearsal studio. Mm-hmm. And if you take the elevator up and down from there, <laughs> it'll just open and it's like, it just opened it into the third world. <laughs> and when you're leaving, it'll open and like, like 25, 30 Chinese people will all just get on the elevator, none of whom are speaking a lick of English. And it's just like their their day is over, uh-huh. you know. They're heading out. Yeah. So it's all Chinese people working in them now? That I've seen, yeah. When I was looking, it was all owned and operated by Koreans, and all of the sewing machines were manned by by Lat- people of Latin descent. Oh, okay. From all around all right. Latin America, Central America, South America, Mexico. Um, and uh, there was a weird shorthand that they use, not unlike in, you know, where English, Korean, and Spanish was all being bandied about in conversation simultaneously. Uh-huh. And it was, uh, it was weird, but they managed to get their points across and things got done. Um, but there was a constant tension there of desperation from all sides. I feel like while the idea of running a sweatshop seems like a lucrative one, I feel like it may not be as lucrative as I think it is, at least in this country. Yeah, well, I think in general, unless you are one of the top brands or something in mm-hmm. fashion, the money is all in slim margins, sell a bazillion of whatever it is. You right. know what I mean? And I right. I work in a building in the fashion district that is all little independent clothing clothing companies basically, right? Mm-hmm. We're like we I work at a software company, right. but everyone else is basically, you know, 212 brand and like <laughs> NYC clothes <laughs> brand and like all the stuff and from what I can gather, they are just sourcing all the stuff most likely from China. Right. Um, and from what, you know, really from what I've seen in the elevators coming in and out, it's on the bulk, very unremarkable clothes. Right. But they are somehow selling huge amounts of it. But so this is what I don't understand. See, I, the, and, and again, this is why I'm curious about the whole New York thing is I was under the impression everybody was, uh, particularly the big companies, the old navies, the Gaps, the Nikes, the Reeboks, the blah, 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 we're all outsourcing it to India, China, South America, where yeah. they pay six cents a day, Yes, right? And uh, child labor is being used. Yeah. And they have this sort of plausible deniability. When they go, I didn't know there were a thousand kids being paid a penny a day to do this. Yeah. Well, they we are. We have no idea. They are outsourcing it. They're, yeah. they're not building, they're not making the clothes in my building. They are buying clothes. They're they're the middleman between whoever's making the clothes uh-huh. and then the buyers of Macy's or whoever. Oh, I see what you're saying. So they're the so they're not even the fashion companies per se, or are they? Is two and two fashion making like a ton of T shirts that they're gonna slap another label on? I I don't know to tell you the truth. God, I don't damn know. Damn it, Noel. But the whole building and and. All the buildings right around me, uh-huh. they're all full of it. 
They are all full <laughs> They're of all it. They're all full of it. Just like <laughs> we are here on Radio Fuel. <laughs> As we speculate <laughs> yeah. and pontificate. Well, you know, speaking of full of it, it seems like the end, talking about outsourcing clothing. I think we all know that uh, at this point, by the time you all hear this, Donald Trump has fully been outed that his clothing line is made in China, um, despite the fact that he is apparently anti-China, Okay, although he would say no. But I, I think it's a good time for our uh, weekly, what I am now calling, okay. no longer the Trump dump, now? but now calling Stump the Trump. Whoa. Yeah. Yeah, it's a whole new twist. Yeah, it's a whole it's, new it's, world, and, guys. And, you know, again, and the idea yeah. here is that Donald Trump seems to know about everything and speaks on everything, not unlike the two people sitting <laughs> yeah, yeah. I don't know where he in front it. of these microphones. <laughs> um, so he is, in a way, certainly my personal hero yeah. and maybe the, uh, the uh, patron saint of Get Rich Quick. Uh, and see if there's any topic that we choose that we can actually stump the Trump on. So uh, here we go. Oh, I'm sorry. This is going to take me just a minute to load up here. Come on now. What's going on? Oh, here we go. It's coming up. I promise it's coming up. All right. Um, my thought <clears throat> about, uh, and as far as sort of a get-rich-quick scheme goes as far as the uh, sweatshop thing was, my thought was maybe take your money, move down to someplace like Guatemala, yeah, right, where land is cheap, buy a building, and just turn it into your own sweatshop. Well, sure. But the thing is, is the real money is in the selling of this stuff, right? So that's why all the fashion is located in New York, because... All the buyers are New, are New York, right? Right. So they they're already outsourcing, um, and then they're here. They're selling to people with dollars in the pockets. Dollar dollar bill, y'all. Dollar dollar bill. All right. So here's Donald Trump giving a little fashion advice to President Obama. I was impressed that the president agreed to do the interview with Bill. At the same time, I think he probably shouldn't have done it, and I definitely think he should have worn a tie. You know. <laughs> He's the president of oh, the United a good point. States. I never thought of that. Let him put on a tie. Bill was wearing a tie. Not that he has to follow Bill, but Bill was wearing a tie. He's the president. It's a formal position. I oh. think he should wear a tie. What message is he sending by not? It's sloppy. It's not appropriate. It's not presidential. He's the president of the United States. Let him put on a tie. So there you go, folks. Yeah. If you are the president of the United States, put on a tie. It's sloppy. It's non-presidential. Yeah, put on a tie. Yeah, you never see Donald without a tie. No. If you think about it. No, we're actually. Are you even looking, or are you just looking at that crazy hair? <laughs> <laughs> I'm looking at that face, that pie face. That face is so swollen. Um. Anyway, uh. So that's stumped the Trump for you. Um. I will also add that uh. You can find us on the Twitter these days. You can find us on the Twitter. We are at. GRQ Josh Noel. And you can find us on the Facebook. Yeah, just look up Get Rich Quick with Josh Noel. <laughs> and uh, you can find us on the email. Yep. With, at uh, Get Rich Quick with Josh and Noel. Yeah, there you go. And, uh, you know, feel free to contact us, reach out to us, um, you know, particularly with any ideas that you may have or would like to hear of uh, topics. Yep. 
Um, and also, uh, for those of you that know, we do our uh, randomizer. We'd love to hear any ideas for the randomizer as well. Yeah, so if you have any rules for getting rich quick of which to judge our topics on, uh, you can send those in. And you might hear it on the show. You might. You might. You can just come out and say hi. That's we're not true. that rich yet. <laughs> we're still amongst the <laughs> little right. people. Get to us now before our body, bodyguards start working. So Bodyguards. Yeah. Uh, so uh, on the topic of what we were just saying, mm-hmm. uh, it seemed to me that, yeah, so really what you want to do to get rich quick in fashion mm-hmm. is you want to make this stuff as cheap as possible. So I looked up and found uh, a report of companies and their rating in how uh, much slavery they use. <laughs> uh-huh. uh, you know, I got. I do have to say, the the people that were given an F as uh-huh. in fail because I, I think this is a little backwards <laughs> because <laughs> it seems to me that they're doing something right. Uh, uh-huh. But I, they're all companies I don't know anything about. But a D minus company that we would all be aware of is Skechers. Wow, that really bums me out. Oh, really? Why, are you a Skechers guy? Part of my oversized body issues is I also have huge feet. Okay. And Skechers is one of the few companies that make shoes in my size. Well, because they can afford to (laughs) because they use slave labor. (laughs) Funnily enough, my mother has a friend who's a neighbor in his building on the same floor as him. His next-door neighbor is the guy who founded Skechers. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, so we can... We can Get go over in. and have a little conversation with him. Yeah. Talk to him about, uh, you know, maybe we can procure him some slaves. Yeah. Uh, so they got a D-minus rating. D-minus. For slave labor. For slave labor. And do you know what, what countries they were using said slave labor? Uh, no, I don't. It, it it really was just a report. But, you know, you can imagine probably uh, China. Mm-hmm. India. India. Bangladesh. Bangladesh. Myanmar. <laughs> Where? Myanmar? How would you pronounce that? <laughs> Myanmar. Myanmar? <laughs> you just make these things up, I think, sometimes. That's ridiculous. That's ridiculous. Yeah. Myanmar. He's ex-Burma. Let's call it ex-Burma. Burma. I'm yeah. okay with ex-Burma. You know, uh, a great fact that I love uh-huh. about Myanmar <laughs> is... Uh, uh, I don't. I don't know if you know their history at all. A little bit, actually. Yeah. So they had this horrific, horrifically oppressive leader, mm-hmm. and probably about, I'm gonna say, maybe eight years ago or so, five years ago, <laughs> the world was so optimistic because that guy was out, and they were getting this new guy in, who was the hope. For the future, end of repression, no more people getting snatched off the streets and killed for their beliefs or anything like that. Uh, do you know his name? No. His name uh-huh. <laughs> is pronounced the insane. <laughs> Spelt T H E I N S E I N, but you pronounce that it's the insane. The insane. <laughs> And he is the hope for the future. The, <laughs> at least his name speaks truth to power. Yes, exactly. They insane. Yeah, that's fantastic. You know, Tony Bourdain did his first uh, show when oh, he moved oh, to sorry. CNN. 
Chef Josh. Yeah. Who do you mean by Tony Bourdain? Anthony Bourdain. Oh, okay. I think everyone <laughs> knows who Anthony Bourdain yeah, is. Yeah, that's like a name dropping move. Like, was it? Was that a name yeah. dropping move? I feel like people know him as Tony. Tony Bourdain. All right, I, I'm, I'll, I'll drop the name. That's right. okay. I don't actually know him, but I'm going to drop names anyway. If that's how I got to get by, that's a whole get rich yeah. quick episode. So I went. I, I went to the Cape with uh, Johnny K. <laughs> Johnny K. Who's the K? John Kennedy. <laughs> uh, I, I just assumed everyone knew that. Yeah. Um. When, when did you do that? <laughs> well, I'm, I'm, I'm comparing what uh-huh. you said. No, oh, I understand. Although he is still alive, apparently. Oh, he is. <laughs> he <laughs> is. Uh, Picking colors for next year, right now <laughs> at CMB. That's right. He and Marilyn Monroe, uh-huh. and Elvis, and Elvis, and uh, Jim, uh, Jim Lizard King. Yeah, I can't remember his name. All of a sudden, that was fantastic. Jim Morrison. Um, along those lines, I say we go into what the uh, fashion tip of the week is. Oh, okay. Gonna be. Right in. So uh, our Radio Free Brooklyn tip of the week. That's right. It is. It is. As all of our tip of the weeks are sponsored by Radio Free Brooklyn. That's right. And uh, as we've stated before, you know, the whole show you can listen to, and there's just everywhere you listen, there's just another tidbit to make a bazillion dollars off of. But if you don't have time to listen to the whole show, listen to the tip. You can get rich off that. Tithe us. Give us 10% of whatever you make. And uh, together, we will... Become the one percent. <laughs> we are. We will. The ten percent will make us the one percent. Um, this is an appropriate one. This is a good one. And uh, you know, this is an actual tip where you may actually be able to make some real money on. Oh, okay. Here we go. <laughs> like they're not all. <laughs> I know. <laughs> it's silly me. Hi, it's Tina Hauser here with the Lens Talent Agency. How does an agency make its money? They make their money from the client. They add a 20% agency fee onto the bill, onto the invoice, and then the model pays a commission, which is generally 20% from their base rate. So let's just say and use $100 for the model's rate. We would invoice it out at $120, and then we would take 20% from the model, and that would be $80. So the model would receive $80 net, the client would receive an invoice of $120. So a commission and an agency fee, 20% on both sides. That's how it's done in the industry. That's how it's done in the industry. That is. <laughs> they double dip. Yeah. It's the sleaziest thing on it, the face of the earth. Is modeling like acting <clears throat> where uh, there's a difference between a manager and an agent, though? I don't think models have both. Oh, okay. They only have an agent. I think if you become like a supermodel... You probably have a manager, okay, and and you probably have a, a separate entertainment agent than you have your modeling agent as well, okay. Um, when you get more in the entertainment end of it, but I think when it comes to just straight modeling, you sign exclusively with an agency, and you don't even necessarily have a agent. You don't have someone that represents you. The company represents you. All right. And then they send you out that you just go out on all these big casting calls where all you do is they look at a photo of you, look at you, you try on clothes, and then you walk back and forth yeah. and back and forth. And then they comment on how you walk, and then you leave. Yeah. Well, of course. Yeah, it's an audition. That's what yeah. they do. They walk. You know, in, a- in acting, uh, in-, in general, an agent will only charge 10%. Mm-hmm. And a manager would charge fifteen to twenty percent, and they theoretically to, they take more interest. But I think you really got to be 
having some heat on you for them to have any interest no matter what. Yeah, I never understood the whole manager-agent uh, split, divide. Like, what the manager does for the talent that the agent doesn't do. Well, I'll, I'll tell you, the manager is supposedly uh, curating your career, right? <laughs> so they are... This is the type of person you are. This is where you should be. And the agent is putting you out to anyone who will hire you. So do they work hand in hand, the uh, manager and the agent? If you have both, I don't know. It seems to me, a, I don't know. You have an agent. I have an agent. Do you yeah. have a manager? I do not have a manager. Okay. I uh, once, when I first started putting out uh, you know, mailings to agents, stuff like that, when I moved to New York, I got called in to one agent who wanted me to pay money to be in his book. And oh, I well, was like, yeah. no, no, dude. Uh, and so I left, and he sent me on one audition, which I'm sure was just to be like, tease me of like, uh -huh. oh, yeah, no, I should get in that book. <laughs> right. And I booked it. <laughs> <laughs> and then I had to hound this dude uh -huh. for like six months to get my money. Really? Yeah, but I got it. I got it. Huh. And did he ever send you out on other things? He didn't think like, oh, I may no, be able to make no, money off of this No, never sent me out for anything again. Scumbag. Yeah. And that, he was very bad about paying attention to, like, there's a lot more money I should have been paid for that. Right. It was a non-union commercial mm -hmm. that was on uh, a lot of channels. And it was on, actually on like CNN and CNBC a lot during the day right when the we attacked Iraq. Uh-huh. And I worked at the time as an IT uh tech guy on a trading floor for a bank. Mm -hmm. And they had TVs about every 30 feet playing continuously. And this commercial would come on <laughs> about, like, so often. It, it would come on, like, every 15, 20 minutes. Uh-huh. And people would look up, and would they look at you and look at the oh, screen? Oh, yeah, and, everyone and, knew, everyone knew. That's really it, funny. You, you didn't have to be right. Like, I wasn't a guy in the back of this commercial. This uh -huh. commercial was Noel Deneen, Noel front Deneen, and center. front yeah. and center. There he is. I was a Flexon sales rep. <laughs> what is Flexon? It was uh, these glasses that uh, were flexible. Oh, I remember those. And yeah, yeah, yeah. it was like a speed dating thing. Mm -hmm. And so it was just me going up to like another speed date thing. And they're like, what do you do? I'm like, I'm a flex on sales rep. Did you, did you get a free pair of glasses from that? Did you get any no. free stuff? No. I should have stolen them. Ooh. Well, they weren't your prescription, though. They weren't any prescription because I... Oh, so you I, could have just gotten the lenses made and you would have had your flex on glasses. I would have had my own flex on glasses. Well, I you know, I have reading glasses now. Right. But I never had anything until right. like a year oh, and a half ago. Oh, I see. So you would have just used it as a prop, as a costume item. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Interesting. Deb and I were in a commercial mm -hmm. once uh, for uh, the sleep number bed. Okay. She answered a... Uh, what I like is these casting calls for real couples that go out in uh, uh, industry magazines. And, you know, so the couple isn't really real, right? Because at least one of the people is an actor. Oh, yeah, sure. Um, and in, in the case of my wife and I, she's the actor. And, and But we went, and they really liked us, and we, we did the shoot, and it was, you know, they just have you lay on the bed and do the thing, and I f 
fucking fell in love with this bed. <laughs> like I wanted this. We we both did, but I wanted this bed. So they did this thing where he was like, you know, do your f- number and you do your number. And they had us do it, and we did it on camera. And there's a big camera looking over at us, and I'm laying on my back, and my face is all pushed forward like some weird slug. And she's laying there, and we do our numbers, and it was like I was like, oh man, this is so comfortable. And they were like switch. And we went to each other's side of the bed, and I laid on her side, and it was like I was laying in fucking jello pudding. I was just, <laughs> it was so uncomfortable. And for her, it was like she was laying on like a, a, a floor, yeah, you know? And <clears throat> I was like, wow, that says so much about why neither of us sleeps well. And later on, they were like, oh, we really love you guys. We really love you guys. And, and we were like, jokingly, we go, oh, do we get a bed? And they were like, we're gonna get you a bed. We're really? A bed. And so, in in we we didn't hear anything from them at all, and we were like, "Yeah, we're getting a bed. We're getting a bed." And ab- about six months later, I had lost about seventy pounds mm-hmm. at that point. I, you know, because we thought it was done. We get a call for them about reshoots. Oh no! And that was going to be the payment. No. And she says to them. You know, just so you know, because I also had long hair at the time and a ponytail. She, just so you know, Josh got a haircut and he lost a bunch of weight. And they were like, oh, sorry. Oh, that's horrible. Like, yeah, we could have had a king size sleep number bed. Yeah. You know what, Ugh. though, really? Who are they to give you a freaking bed for a commercial? They should be giving you money. Well, we got money for the first part. Okay. The, the first second part, too. Got, they should the second give part. You money. Well, I would have been happy with the bed. The bed is more than what our fee was. Okay. You know, it was a non-union yeah. commercial thing. How you long know, ago was this? A few years. Okay. A few years. Because, you know, non-union stuff... Maybe even more than a few years. Wins, ...has gone so downhill mm-hmm. uh, but of what they're willing to pay people. Right, yeah. Uh, I had to join the union about a year and a half ago. Mm-hmm. And actually almost two years ago now. And I'm, you know, I, I get sent out so much less now but for such better things right. than actually pay money, like it, it's there's the odd tidbit of non-union something that'll come along that for some reason is paying well, mm-hmm. but most of it is just ab- aggressively abusive. I did this aggressively. Oh, abusive. It really is. I I did something now. Uh, like one of the last things I did non-union was <laughs> this like horrific like recreation show. <laughs> and I was like, when when my agent told me about, it, I'm like, almost like, I don't, I don't know if I really want to do this. And and and, and like my agent's assistant was like, oh no, you know what? It, you might get a good something for a good reel here. <laughs> and it was the worst thing in the world. And <laughs> I, it was like a, a ghost of haunted uh-huh. famous people uh-huh. type thing, you know. And I had to play something where I was <laughs> <laughs> uh, John Wayne in as Genghis Khan in that movie, which had some curse on it, right? Uh-huh. So they wrapped me in the worst clothes in the world that must have just come from your crazy pile you were right. talking yeah, about yeah, before. Yeah. And I'm sure it all had fleas. Uh-huh. And <laughs> they... Had like this beard stuck on me horrifically, uh-huh. and this horrible, horrible wig, and <laughs> were kept telling me to turn my face so they couldn't see my face because I don't look like John Wayne. 
<laughs> while someone else to make it look like a sandstorm sat there and pelted me with sand. <laughs> it was the worst. Oh, but probably so good for a real. Oh, that's amazing. <laughs> and, and one of the last uh, non-union commercial auditions I had to uh-huh. go for was some dog food. I think I think it was dog food. It was something with dogs, uh-huh. right? And so basically, they're like, uh, "Okay, so you don't mind? We're gonna put a little bit of peanut butter on your face, <laughs> lick your face, and." The dog's just going to be licking your face mm-hmm. while this was for the callback, not for the original audition, right? And they're just like, the dog's going to be licking your face while you deliver your lines. Do you have a problem with that? I'm like, no. So uh, the dogs were not cooperative, though. And so they keep smearing more and more peanut butter on my face and like, Getting me to like someone's trying to basically the owner's trying to push this dog on top of me, and they're telling me to like get in closer. So I'm basically literally like chasing this dog around with my face onto the ground, like the dog's laying, and I'm like pushing my peanut butter covered face into him and trying to read these lines. It was uh yeah. So if you ever get the chance, uh-huh, go union. Go union. Yeah. Always go union. Go sag. Speaking of which, I'm going to give myself a tiny little plug. Okay, go for it. By the time this is out, mm-hmm. uh, a show will be on HBO, uh-huh. Show Me a Hero. On the first episode, I have a small part, Frank McGovern. I am a Yonker City Councilman, so there you go. That's a movie with the uh, Oscar Isaacson, right? Yeah, the it's, it's a miniseries. Guy. Right, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I think it actually, yeah, it should be on demand right now, I believe. No, uh, August 16th. I know, it's, I know it's supposed to be... be uh, it's not. Okay. <laughs> I won't. <laughs> I'm in it, I know. Uh, all right. Uh, yeah, next week I'm going to a viewing party for it. Congratulations. Yeah. Well, thank you, Bill. Yeah, but uh, it's small part. Yeah, and they dress you in all sorts of '70s fashion, as I recall. They had me in the same suit all the time, man. Right. There, I'm in like, I'm I only speak in one scene, uh-huh. but I'm in a bunch of scenes uh-huh. that are supposedly over a bunch of time. I think <laughs> in the same suit. I'm in the same suit, and I have like two shirts and two ties. <laughs> <laughs> Is it a blue suit? Uh, it's a gray. Gray. Yeah. Big wide ties. Uh, yes. Yeah. Yeah. Eighties. I'm looking forward to to seeing you in that because uh, I feel like that's really the decade you should have been an adult in. In the 80s? Yeah, I feel like that that clothing suits you really well. Really? Yeah, I don't know why, but okay. I feel like you should have been an adult in the 70s and 80s. I could see you at key key parties. Uh, I could see you at uh, you know, standing in the backyard wearing a leisure suit with a cocktail or one of those Hard steel well, all cans this of is beer. before the eighties. I feel like. You're, well, you're, I'm talking seventies. I'm talking more seventies. But even into that, well, I don't know. I know more seventies, maybe into the early eighties. Okay, maybe into the early eighties. But I feel like you would have trained. Like I feel like thirties into forties for you should have been the seventies into the eighties. I feel like you would have nailed it. Okay. Man. I yeah. Sure. I don't know why. There's something about you that screams that to me. Like you should have been my dad. <laughs> <laughs> I'm uh yeah, I'm very dadly. You are dadly. Yeah. It's true. You're dadly. Um but fashion. Yes. Back to fashion. <laughs> Let's talk guys. about fashion. But I digress. Um Did I have something here? I thought I had something. I don't know. It sounded like you had something there. 
what happened to it? Oh, I lost it. Okay. Um, uh, all right. <laughs> we, we, we really know nothing about fashion. <laughs> <laughs> we don't. We don't. And this is... This, I will say to all of the listeners out there, this is a rough one for us. We, we, we overextended ourselves on this one, I feel like. <laughs> that's right. We need you guys to send in that's some right. suggestions because we come up with stuff that we just know nothing about. Right. We think, hey, that's a good idea. Yeah. Why not? I mean, you know, Noel had, uh, <laughs> we, had we had tried, you know, because we always sort of tag into things like Illuminati. We always sort of go back to that. Yeah. No, you, or conspiracies. You, or conspiracies yeah. or shit. At some point, shit always comes into the into the equation. Well, shit's always in fashion, though. Right. Well, yeah. It, it, yeah, that's true. It's Because it's not, it's it's a permanent part of life. Yes. So if fashion goes, moves around shit, shit yeah. doesn't move around exactly. fashion. Um, but, you know, Noel had done a search for uh, fashion Illuminati, and all he came up with were brand names. Yeah, I, I searched for fashion Illuminati, fashion conspiracy, uh-huh. fashion uh, like what, like fashion fails, fashion right, like everything I searched for was a whole bunch of like actual things, not some lunatic out on the internet right. I know, and you the wind. You're going. How is this possible? There has to be something <laughs> yeah. that that involves a lunatic. You certainly see enough lunatics, you know. In their specific fashion, out on the streets of oh, New York you City, you sure do, yeah, without a doubt. I've, yeah, I've dated a few of them too. <laughs> <laughs> so at some point, you figure something. You do any kind of search, yeah. having to do with fashion and crazy fashion and this, but no, it's just everybody out there just decided that they're gonna. I mean, I think that's one of the things. It's got to be hard to get rich in fashion because everyone thinks they can get rich in fashion. Oh yeah, everyone who's got a fucking pen. And a piece of paper uh, or a fabric pen and can draw something on a T-shirt yeah. thinks that they've got the next FUBU. Oh, they sure do. Or whatever it may be. And uh, they come up with the stupidest fucking names for it. Like uh, I saw one that was called Disinventory. <laughs> <laughs> like, like what does that even mean? Yeah. Well, I, I think part of the problem is a lot of these... Uh, not, not to disparage any industry, <laughs> but if we're going to disparage part of the fashion industry, there is a very, uh, not everybody, uh huh, but there's a vapid element in there. Oh, huge. And they might just be thinking like, yeah, that's really saying something. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure they are. Yeah. I'm sure, they, I'm sure that they have put a meaning to disinventory yes. that, you know, you and I would never think of. No. Like, you know, let, let's see. So inventory, like you're doing an inventory of yourself. Sure. And when you do that inventory of yourself, yeah. no, that's not going to work because no. it's a disinventory. But you know what would work? What? Is here's a just a warehouse full of things <laughs> that everyone has, but not us because we're disinventory. <laughs> we don't fit into the warehouse inventory scheme. Uh-huh. So we have to create a line of clothes. Yeah. Yeah, that, that's that what's needed. Fits. Okay, there you go. So that's probably exactly what disinventory means. Yeah, I, you know, I'm sure you see this over here, and I definitely see it over by my place, mm-hmm. especially when there's fashion week and stuff like that happening, mm-hmm. is there will be a lot of just idiots uh-huh. on the street. Like, they're dressed for attention, mm-hmm. and just like 
strolling around and maybe swinging a, a like a pocket watch or something like that, and they're all they're doing is to try and get noticed by someone rich. Right. I I was actually in Washington Square Park one day. I had to go and have a, a, a some needles shoved in my back for a back problem I had, and I had taken about three Valium to calm me down. I was feeling really good, and I was had had my needles done and. Uh, you know, injected full of stuff, and I was like, I got a, an afternoon, and I'm high as a kite and really loving life right now. I'm going to go sit in the park. So I sat in the park, and I just kicked back, and I looked up, and suddenly this guy sits next to me, and he's got very trim fella, <clears throat> and he's wearing, uh, you know, a Canadian, uh, a Canadian tuxedo <clears throat> with his blue jeans, red suspenders, uh, uh, denim shirt tucked into that and i sort of look up and he's maybe in his mid-20s and he's you know as thin as my pinky and he's got handlebar mustache big chunky sunglasses his hair up in a man bun but with colors coming out of it and uh tons of jewelry like multiple piercings in his ear he's got one of those i don't know what it's called but it's the indian thing where the nose is pierced and it goes to the mm -hmm. ear sure kind of thing chain. right and you know this wispy little goatee beard and lots of jewelry on the hands and the arms and and either i don't know if it was tattoo or henna going on there and i'm sitting there and i'm saying and he's just sit he sits down right next to me basically you know a little bit of space between He's just looking around, and he's clearly so obviously looking around to see if people are looking oh, at course, him. Of course, yeah. Right? And I remember saying to myself, this guy is like humans of New York bait. <laughs> like, this guy is just <laughs> waiting for yep. humans of New York to, to come show up, up and take, take a picture, photo. and someone's going to jump out the net right. <laughs> and net that guy. And, and I don't think about him for a couple of months. And it's around Christmas time, maybe three, four months. It's around Christmas time, and Deb gets a Secret Santa gift, and it's the Humans of New York book. Uh, and I'm flipping through it. Yep. And sure enough, of course, there's that guy yep. sitting in Washington Square Park. And I have no doubt that it was like he was fishing. He was there every day sure. for months sure. until the Humans of New York guy showed up yep. and did it. Um, so we're coming to the end of the show. We are. And I don't know if we really came up with, I think maybe the one thing that we may have come up with mm -hmm. is maybe a niche to getting rich quick. Slavery. Slavery is a good one. Yeah. I was thinking just on the, the last moment of this discussion, coming up with names. Okay. For. Or colors. Or colors. Future fashion colors. Okay. So we have a few things. Names, colors, and slavery. And slavery. All right. So today's... Uh, 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 get rich quick randomizer rules of getting rich come from the wealth information network incorporated oh yes that is money indisputable rules of financial success are you ready we, okay are you ready yep all right, where are the goddamn rules? We're ready. There's so much bullshit before the rules. Uh, okay. Uh, okay. Okay, here we go. All right. Rule number one. Almost every great person whom I have observed and studied had, if not a passionate love for God, at least a reverence for the finer things in life. Sounds like it was said by a douchebag on a corner waiting for people to notice him. <laughs> yep. Uh, I think that one qualifies. All right, there we go. So that one, we're one for one. 
I saw that almost all great people were very active in the lives of their families and friends. Same douchebag, different corner. <laughs> <laughs> that is the perfect answer for that. The next thing I observed in the lives of truly great people was that they took control of their own education. Plenty of stupid people in the fashion industry. Yes, there are. Three for three. Every great person I have studied had a passion for excellence. Disinventory. Disinventory. <laughs> yeah. Uh, we'll go four for four with that. How much time do we have? We have time for two more. We got time for two more. Number five. I've also noticed in reading about and studying these comments. No, 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 no. Indisputable rule number three. Blending benefits of ownership. Don't know what that means. That's a brand name. That's a brand name. <laughs> there we go. All right, so we're five for five. Yeah. And number six, indisputable rule, experience is the best teacher, but. That's the end? <laughs> That's the end. Oh, yeah. They That's... have just followed this douchebag around the neighborhood. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So we are six for six yeah, on the rules. Clearly. Going to get rich in fashion. Yeah. How can you not? And remember, if you get rich using any of the non-ideas we've given you today. Yeah. 10% is 10%. all we ask. Tie the way Honor to system, get guys. rich quick. So this is Josh. And this is Noel. For Get Rich Quick. And we're on Radio Free Brooklyn. And iTunes. And email at us at Get Rich Quick with Josh and Noel. Twitter handle us at... Uh, at GRQ Josh Noel. And uh, hey, have a lovely week. Guys. Have a lovely week, guys. Have a wealthy week. Thank <laughs> you.